Love the Lord and thank God for His goodness. Matthew chapter 13 this morning. And um, I got up this morning early and was uh, looking at this verse of Scripture and uh, kind of meditated on some this week. But then this morning, uh, just settled in on it this morning. And it amazes me how God can say so much in just one verse of Scripture. Amen. And we'll read one verse this morning. We'll stand for the reading of God's Word. And then you can be seated after we pray. Matthew chapter 13. And we'll look at verse number 44. Thank God for the good singing. Amen. Thank God for the good Sunday school hour and the testifying and the praising of God. Amen. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 44. The Bible says again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you this morning for your presence. Lord, how you just passed by today already. Thank you for your people this morning. And thank you for this place, as it's already been said, here on the side of the road, a place that we can come and just worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray this morning, God, that you would touch us spiritually. I pray that you'd touch us physically this morning. God, give us what we stand in need of and bless the word of God as it goes forth. Lord, I do pray, as it's already been said, that some sinner would walk the aisle and get born in the family of God. And dear God, for what you do this morning, we'll love you, we'll praise you, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to think with me about this subject this morning on the treasure uh, in the field, the the parable of the hidden treasure. That's what I'm preaching on this morning, the parable of the hidden treasure. Now, when we come to Matthew chapter 13, we know that there's seven parables that Christ gives concerning of the kingdom of heaven. He's revealing the mysteries of the kingdom in this chapter here. But when we come to this verse, verse number 44, uh, these last three parables is a triology. And what we mean by that is that these last three parables simply reveal uh, different people uh, that Christ is speaking about. In verse number 44, the emphasis here is on the Hebrew people. And then in verse 45 and verse number 46, uh, the emphasis is on the heavenly people as he talks about the pearl of great price. Uh, And then the last parable of Matthew chapter number uh, 13 uh, deals with the heathen people and the last uh, uh, days of the ending and the closing of the age. And so when we think about this parable here this morning, uh, Christ is talking about the Hebrew people. And there's four things that I want you to see in this parable this morning uh, the last of which I'll really preach on. Uh, I'll just give you the the first three and then deal with the last one and we'll be done. I want you to see first of all uh, the doctrine in this parable. As the Bible says here again the kingdom of heaven uh, that is the doctrine that Jesus is dealing with. In Matthew chapter 13 we're on Jewish ground and Christ is revealing the mysteries of the kingdom that will one day come to pass. Uh, and thank God I'm glad that everything uh, uh, that Jesus said either has or will one day uh, come to pass. Amen. And we find that little word there again. Uh, It's mentioned time and time again as each parable is being revealed. Uh, Jesus, the Bible says again, the kingdom of heaven. He's driving that doctrine. He's driving that truth home. You know when you think about Christ, uh, you think about his teaching and you think about his truth 
truth. Uh, that's who he really was. Uh, he was the very embodiment of truth. Amen. Uh, the Bible says uh, uh, that he was, uh, John said it in 1 John chapter number 3. Uh, he talked about the truth uh, uh, that they saw and that they handled. Uh, he talked about him being the word of life. Amen. And in John chapter 1, the gospel, he talked about in the beginning was the word. That's Christ. Amen. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Amen. And so everything that Jesus ever spoke was truth. Amen. And so we see the doctrine in this parable again. The kingdom of heaven. That is the doctrine. And then we notice the discovery here. As he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field. Amen. And so we want to think about this discovery this morning. There's a treasure that is in the field. When we think about that treasure this morning, uh, what does it represent? I will say this morning, it represents the kingdom truth, uh, but it represents uh, uh, the kingdom truth uh, and where it's been placed. Amen? You say, why is that important? Well, I think you'll see this here in just a moment, uh, that the place uh, uh, where that kingdom truth has been uh, uh, hid is a very important place. Now, the Bible says, here that it was hid in the field. When you and I think about the field, uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13 on more than one occasion that the field is the world. Amen. That's the field this morning. The field is the world. And so, uh, my friend, we know uh, that this treasure is hid in this world. But there's a particular place in this world where this kingdom truth is hid. You say, where is it? It's hid in Israel. Amen. It's hid, my friend, uh, in Jerusalem. It's hid in the Jews. Amen. It's hid in the Hebrew people. You remember it like this in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Isn't that right? God created the heavens but then God highlighted something amongst all the universe. The vastness of the Milky Way. The vastness of the billions of empires of stars and planets that are all my friends scattered throughout this universe. Amongst everything else God said that he created the heavens but he highlighted this planet that we live on. He highlighted highlighted earth. Amen. And the reason for that uh, is because God chose a place uh, in which that one day he would establish his kingdom. He chose a place, my friend, uh, in this world uh, and in this universe that his kingdom would come. Uh, And Jesus told us to pray that in Matthew chapter number 6, thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth uh, as it is in heaven. You see, that's an important truth uh, because Jesus highlights this earth and the reason he does that is because one day the king's going to come to this earth and the kingdom's going to be put on this earth and so my friend here we have it where is it going to be placed where's that kingdom going to be set up it's going to be set up in the nation of Israel in the street in Jerusalem Jerusalem's going to be the capital city and so here we find this man he's going out into this field and there's a treasure that's been hid in this world or this field. Amen. Now think about that. It started with Abraham. When God made a covenant with Abraham, 
through the nation of Israel. God said through Abraham's seed there would come a great nation and it would be the nation of Israel. Through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob we see that kingdom is being, was being revealed and then through David and through Solomon it was being revealed when David came forth and sat upon the throne, the throne of David. One day, that's where Jesus is going to sit. There's one coming greater than Solomon. Amen. And Jesus said a greater than Solomon was here uh, talking about himself. Uh, that kingdom, it was promised through Abraham. It came through the lineage of Isaac and Jacob uh, and then through David and through uh, Solomon. Uh, that kingdom was revealed to this world uh, but then the, uh, that kingdom was split uh, north and south uh, and the Assyrians came in and took the northern half uh, and the Babylonians came in and they took the southern half uh, and that kingdom was hid all the sudden uh, and for no longer because the captivity of this world cannot see that truth that was revealed. Well, when Jesus came into this world, Jerusalem and Israel had already been taken captive and were under Roman rule. And so what Christ does in Matthew chapter 13 is he reveals that treasure once again. He brings that treasure to the surface. He brings that kingdom truth to the surface once again. But it's going to be hid again. Amen. Because Israel rejected the Messiah and Israel rejected the truth and so you know what Christ did he hid it back in that field amen and this world cannot see Israel this world cannot see the Jews the world cannot see Christ as who they really are but can I tell you tucked away in this old sin cursed world this morning in 2022 in this field that Christ called the world there is a treasure that is hid over in the Middle East thank God it's already been discovered thank God by the one that came and dug it up the first time but he's coming back hallelujah and he's going to resurrect it and that kingdom is going to come and his will is going to be done I'm saying the doctrine but then there's the discovery amen then I notice the delight look what the Bible says here that when a man hath found he hideth and for joy, you ought to underline that, he goeth and selleth all that he hath. That when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy, therefore he goeth. You ought to remember that phrase. You say, why? Because one day, Christ came into this world as a babe born into Bethlehem's manger. He came into this world. The shepherds came. Listen, the angels announced his birth. The shepherds came and saw the angels and they left rejoicing. The wise men came from the east. They came from the east and they came and they worshipped at that little in that little stable area there, that manger. And Christ, my friend, was born into this world. But he did not come into this world as a king. He came into this world as a lamb that had been slain from the foundations of this world. But I want to tell you, Christ knew where he was and he knew what the Father's will was. Jesus did not have to come and figure out what the will of God was. Calvary was not an accident. It was not an afterthought in the mind of God. Jesus, from the time he came into this world, he knew that he was a lamb that would be slain. He knew he was a man of 
sorrows and acquainted with grief. But why did he come? He come to do the Father's will. And for 33 and a half years, he walked upon this sin-cursed earth. And three and a half of those 33 years, he revealed, my friend, the truths and the teachings that was one day that was hid. You say, what did he do? He dug up the treasures, what he did. He brought Israel back to the forefront. This Jew talked about one day in Matthew that there's a coming kingdom. Those Jews got to looking for that kingdom to come, but it wasn't coming in Christ. A lifetime here on earth, he was going to Calvary. He wasn't coming to establish a kingdom. He was come to purchase a ransom for many. Amen. He was coming, thank God, to purchase a bride. He was coming to rescue the perishing. He said in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for lost sinners. He came for you. He came for me. And the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 12, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm telling you, he finished his course. He finished the Father's will. And with joy, he went to Calvary and he died for you and he died for me. Amen. Jesus lived his life with joy. He had no place to lay his head. He borrowed a a stable, borrowed a donkey, borrowed a tomb. He didn't have anything in this world. Oh, but he lived his life with joy. He left this world with joy. And he promised you and I that are saved in this life. When we get born again, we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I want to say the best thing that ever happened to me, as the songwriter said, was when I took off the old coat and I put on the new. Amen. When I got saved when I got born again and the joy of serving Jesus is better than 10,000 lives living without God I'd rather be saved as anything I know this morning Amen. and one thing I never want to lose by the grace of God I never want to lose my joy I've seen it in, in the, as saints would get older sometimes they would lose their joy. Don't let it happen to you. There's a little book that was written by a man named Henry Durbin, Durbinfield, Durbinville. And he wrote this book. I think you can get it. It's in reprint now. It's a little book about 170-something pages. And it's called The Best Is Yet to Be. And it's a book that's written for older people. I've read that book three times. That doesn't mean I'm old. I picked it up one day and I looked through the title of it. It was in my, I don't even know where I bought it at. I looked at the title, that, the, 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 the table of contents and I said, well, that's not for me. That's for old people. But I started reading the titles and I thought, man, that's a good title and that's a good title and that's a good title. And I thought, well, you know, I, I might preach it at a nursing home, right? Uh, some service, somewhere, and uh, some thoughts. And so I started reading that book. And I'm going to be honest with you. It is outside the Bible. I'm not putting it with the Bible. But it is one of the most encouraging books 
I think I've ever read in my life. I'm talking about the best is yet to be. I've never read a book outside the Word of God that encouraged me any more than that little book right there. And so every now and then, it'll take you, I mean, probably take you, you know, an hour to read it. You could read a chapter a day, and in a week you'd finish that book and not even probably 10 or 12 minutes of reading a day. But I've read that book three times. I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll help you. It'll keep you sweet in your older years. It'll help. It'll keep you from getting bitter and sour in your older years. Uh, it's just an encouragement. You see the Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. And if you want to have strength, you're going to have to have some joy. Amen. And joy comes from knowing Jesus. Amen. And when Jesus found this treasure in this field, he revealed this treasure and it brought him great joy. And so then he hideth it again, the Bible says. Uh, he put it back in the ground where it is. Uh, he concealed that truth. Uh, I'll tell you when Israel rejected that truth the Bible said he looked over Jerusalem and he wept why because of their blindness and Christ conceals that truth before he goes to Calvary because he knows there's coming a day when he's coming back for that treasure and it's going to be brought up out of that field again and thank God Israel is going to be the capital of the entire world amen I notice the doctrine I see the discovery I see the delight, but notice this this morning. I want you to see the decision. Because when this man finds this treasure in this field, he makes a decision. He hideth, and for joy thereof, he's going to do three things. He goeth, he selleth all that he hath, and he buyeth that field. You ought to underline those three words. He goeth, he selleth, and he buys. He goes and he finds this treasure. He hides it back in the field. And for joy thereof, he goeth. That speaks about this man. He's leaving this field. Isn't that right? Well, if the field is this world and we know that it is, uh, hey, this world uh, is where we live today. Isn't that right? Uh, God brought us forth. He gave us life. Uh, He put us in this world. uh, And this world, my friend, uh, is where we live. It's our place here on earth. Uh, It's our home. I know we're just pilgrims passing through, uh, uh, but this is where we were born uh, and this is where we live. Uh, uh, This is our world that we're living in. I'll tell you, this was not his world. Uh, uh, What I mean by that, uh, he may own it, but Jesus, when he came into this world, uh, he didn't live in this world. He wasn't from this world. Uh, He was from another world. Uh, He was from a glory world. Uh, And when Christ came into this world, uh, he came into his own, but his own received him not. Amen. And so Jesus was a foreigner in his own land when he came to this world. He was a pilgrim and a stranger from another country. He was an ambassador representing another world. Hey, listen, but he found that treasure, Israel, and he dug that truth up and he uncovered that truth that God had promised in the Old Testament and thank God, but he put it back in the field where it was. And you know what he did then? 
son, he went to Calvary and he hung between heaven and earth. He hung between the world he was from and the world that he was in. And he died in this world. But he didn't stay dead, thank God. Three days later, he come up out of the grave. Hallelujah. He come up with victory and he had the keys to death and hell. He didn't live here. Thank God he stayed here for some days. But you know what he did? He took the disciples up on the Mount of Olives and he left this world. He goeth. He left this world. Where's he gone to? He went back to his world. He went back to the other world. He went back to the better world. Thank God he went back to the heavenly world. He went back to the world that one of these days you and I that are saved are going to. I'm saying Jesus, he left this world. Amen. Speaks of his leaving. But then the Bible says that he selleth all that he hath. Speaks of his life. You say, what do you mean? He gave everything he had for the treasure he found in that field. Everything that was in that field, he selleth all that he hath. He went to Calvary. Do you realize this morning that God bankrupt heaven so that Calvary could be possible for everyone to believe and be saved? You say, what do you mean? I mean, if it would have, if our salvation could have been bought with silver and gold, God could have made more of that. He can listen. He paved the street with gold. If it could have been bought with precious diamonds and jewels, He laid the foundation of the walls of that city, and God could have made much more of that. If it could have been bought with creative angels and beings, He could have created more. But God only had one, only begotten Son, and when God gave His Son. In John 3, 16, and the son gave his life. They gave everything that heaven had to offer. They gave the best that heaven had to give. And Jesus came and he gave his all. And can I tell you, he didn't do it begrudgingly. But the Bible said with joy thereof, he goeth and he selleth all that he hath. Hey, according to everybody else in this world, the man in this text didn't get a good deal. I mean, he sold everything he had for just that field. Oh, yes. You know why? Because those that owned that field didn't appreciate that field. They didn't appreciate the world they lived in. They didn't know what was buried beneath the surface. They didn't know what was hid. I want to say this morning, I found a treasure when I found the Lord. Amen. I got more than I bargained for. I got more than I deserved. He didn't get a whole lot when he got me and you. But isn't it wonderful that when he looks down, just like God sees Israel as a treasure, Jesus Christ sees every one of us as misfits as we are. Thank God you know where he brought us from. He dug us out of this old world. He dug us out of the dunghills of this old sinful world. And thank God, isn't it a blessing to know the delight that he has in saving our soul. Hallelujah. You see, that's why it's not hard to be saved if you want to be saved. Because the devil doesn't want you to think one minute about what I'm about to say. Jesus Christ wants to save your soul more than you would even want to be saved. You say, why would he do that? Because he loves you. 
because you're a treasure to him. You say, I'm worthless. I'm wretched. I'm wicked. Oh, yes, I know. I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll take you out of this old dirt. He'll take you out of this old world. He'll dig you out. You won't look like much when he starts a digging. But thank God when he lifts you out, when he brings you up out of that horrible pit, that's where that treasure was. When he brings you up out of that pit that David talked about in Psalms chapter 40, you know what he'll do? He'll not leave you there. But thank God he'll clean you up. He'll make you a fit vessel. Amen. And when he gets done with it, you know what's going to happen? Just like one day, Israel doesn't look like much to this world today. But I'm going to tell you during that thousand year reign, thank God she's going to shine forth and be the greatest of all nations. And she'll have the greatest king. And they'll have the greatest army. And thank God he'll be the ruler of this world. And Israel, thank God, will make the headlines around the world and she that was least will be the greatest and the same thing is true about us we don't look like much right now but if you're saved hang on thank God we've been justified and now we're being progressively sanctified but one day ultimately we are going to be glorified hallelujah thank God I'm not what I used to be I'm not what I'm going to be and this morning I see the Bible says that he selleth all that he had. Sinner, Christ gave his all so that you could be saved. If you leave this church house this morning and you go to hell, you'll go to hell over the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that could have covered you and saved you will one day witness and testify against you if you don't get born again. And I'm sure this morning there's somebody here you sell a preacher. You just don't know how terrible of a person I am. I don't know that, but God knew every bit of that before He ever created you. And He still loved you, and He still gave His Son to die on a cross for your sins, and He still wants to save you. He specializes in taking a bunch of nothings and making something out of them. That's what we all were before God found us. And outside the grace of God and the mercy of God, we're still a bunch of nothings this morning. But I am so thankful that He found me. I'm so thankful that one day, he came to where I was as the songwriter said when I could not come to where he was thank God he came to me amen I want to tell you Jesus has come to where you're at this morning he's come to that pew where you're at and he'll save you on the terms of the gospel if you'll accept him this morning and I see here this morning he goeth that talks about his leaving and then he selleth that talks about his life. And then notice the Bible says that he buyeth that field. He purchased it. You say, preacher, what does that represent this morning? Well, I'll tell you what it represents this morning. It represents the security that we have in Christ. It represents the security that Israel has in God. You say, what do you mean this morning? I mean that this world, this field, it now belongs to this man. Because he, he goeth and he selleth everything he's got, he's got and he buys that field. Now he owns that field. And this morning, God owns this world we live in. But let me tell you how he owns it. 
He owns it, number one, because He created it. God created this world. Adam sold us out into sin. And uh, listen, we become a slave to sin. The curse of God fell upon this world. But can I tell you this morning, a Calvary, Christ was a lamb that was slain before the foundation. So Calvary was already finished in the mind of God in the pre-council and determined will of the Trinity. It was already finished, thank God, before God ever created this world. And God owned it because He created it. But then He owns it because His Son came down to this world that He created. And thank God He died. And He purchased it with His own blood. And now He owns it, not just because He created it, but He owns it because He purchased it with His blood. He redeemed it. Thank God. He bought it back. Uh, hey, in Revelation chapter number 5, uh, uh, what happens? John is weeping because he looks around and he sees no man worthy to open the book. But an elder taps him on the shoulder and says, weep not, John. Uh, he said, the lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, the root of David, uh, uh, Jesse, thank God. Uh, he said, he's worthy. Uh, and he said, I turned. Uh, and he said, in the midst of that throne, isn't it amazing that elder called him a lamb or a lion? Uh, but when John looked in the midst of that throne, you know what he saw? He saw a lamb, amen. I wonder why John saw a lamb. I'll tell you why he saw a lamb. Because it was at Calvary that Jesus bought back everything that Adam lost. He's not the second Adam, for that would indicate there could be a third or a fourth. But the Bible says he's the last Adam, amen. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's that which is, which was, and which is to come. He's the Almighty. He was the lion when he took that book. But when he opened it, he was the lion. But when John saw him in the midst of that throne, he's the Lamb of God that take away the sins of this world. And he has a title deed to this earth because his father created it and because the son purchased it. Thank God he owns it. Amen. And one day he's coming back to that field. He's going to dig that treasure up and he's going to conquer this world for one 1,000 years, hallelujah. He's always on this world from the day that he laid the mud seals of it. But on a hill far away, he purchased it. And thank God in Revelation 19, John sees him coming. And when he comes, out of his mouth goes that sharp sword. He'll smite the nations, he'll conquer them. He'll tread the winepress of the fiercest and wrath of Almighty God. He'll trample all of his enemies under his feet. He'll come down to the, to the field. Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives. The man in this text will put his feet on that field. The Mount of Olives. He'll come walking down and that mountain will divide from east to west. And he'll walk down through that valley of this field here. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to come to that eastern gate. That eastern gate is going to open up. It wouldn't open for nobody else. Amen. Nobody else is worthy to walk through that gate. It's been shut and it's going to stay shut until the king of glory comes and Psalms 24 is going to be a reality and them gates are going to lift up as the man in this text, as he walks through those gates, he's going to walk through that city and thank God when he walks through that city, guess what? That treasure is going to be revealed to this world. Amen. This morning, 
When I think about this hidden treasure, this truth, this is a kingdom truth, talking about the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, and the kingdom. But there's a principle that we should draw this morning in closing. And that is this this morning. That friend, where are you at in this field? Where are you at this morning? Are you tucked away in this world, lost, never to have been found? This man is going across this field in the early part of this text and he finds this treasure. You know, I read yesterday in a, it was in a manner and custom book where they said in Bible days they didn't keep their treasures in their house because of thieves that would break through and steal. They would go out into the field And they would bury that treasure. He said it wasn't anything back then for men to go looking for treasures in the middle of a field somewhere. They knew hidden treasures were in the field. Kind of sounds like Murray County to me. If we can't burn it, we bury it. Amen. You're liable to find anything in the ground. But this man, there's a difference in him. He's not out there wondering trying to find this treasure. Oh no. He's going to purchase the field, but his father created the field. So he's not out there trying to figure out where the treasure is. You know what? He already knows where it is. He goes to it. He digs it up and with joy, there it is. So how would he know that? His father created the field. How would he know that? His father told him where the treasure was. He dug it up. There it is. He put it back. And he goes, you say, well, that's kind of deceptive to buy a field and not tell somebody there's a treasure in it. Not when your father created it. Not when it was his all from the beginning. And I want to tell you, as sure as God knows where Israel is, God knows where you're at this morning. You see, if you're lost this morning, you may come in and hide behind a congregation, hide in a multitude. You say, well, if I can just get through the invitation, if I can just get through those verses of just as I am, if I can just get through whatever it is uh, uh, this morning and just get out of here, uh, maybe I can just, you know, people like to go to church where they can blend in. Oh, you can hide from me. You can hide from others. But you can't hide from him. And this morning, he knows you're a treasure. It never dawned on you that God wants to save you because he loves you. I remember years ago hearing a story of a man that went to the end of a New York skyscraper building and was going to jump off and take his life. And in that story I read, said the, some of the wicked people of New York stood around the bottom of that skyscraper and they yelled, jump, jump, jump encouraging that man. And a police officer at the top of that building hollered at the man. He said, sir, don't jump. He said, don't jump. That man looked at him and he said, my life isn't worth living. He said, all my life, he said, I I just wanted somebody to love me. He said, my mother and father gave me away and said, nobody has ever cared for me or loved me. And he said, I'm going to jump. And that police officer said, son, said, sir, said, if you'll not jump, he said, I'll love you. He said, if you'll come off the edge of that skyscraper, he said, me and my wife said, we'll adopt you. We'll make you our son. And said, we'll take you in and we'll love you. 
And that man at 27 years of age walked off the edge of that skyscraper, became that man's son, all because of the power of love. I want to tell you this morning, if you're lost without God, that's where you're at, sinner. You're standing on the edge of eternity. You're one heartbeat away from hell. You're one breath away from the pits of hell. And the demons of hell and the devil of hell says, don't go to that altar. Don't go. You just wait. You just wait. You just jump. They want you to go to hell. But there's a nail-pierced hand that reached out this morning. He loves you. He died for you. And he'll rescue you. He'll save you if you'll come to him this morning as we stand all over the house. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christians are praying. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning. If you died right now, you know you'd go to hell. And you'd like to lift your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I I don't want to die without God. I don't want to go to hell. I know that if I died, I'd go to a devil's hell. And I don't want to go to hell. I want you to pray for me. Come on, sinner. If you know you're lost, please. I beg you to raise your hand this morning. If you know you're lost, please raise your hand and get saved. Don't you go to hell this morning. Would you lift your hand and let somebody just pray for you this morning? Let somebody call your name out in prayer. Is there one? Is there one this morning? I tell you, I wouldn't go to hell for nothing or nobody. I wouldn't die without God if I was lost this morning. Is there one? Is there one this morning? How about it, sinner? You know you need to be saved. You know that you need to come now or it's never. How about it this morning? How about it? Brother Sam's going to lead a verse of this song. If you're lost, I want you to come on this verse. Would you come while we sing?